Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Damn! I wish this was your podcast. Ooh. That's my first thing, and I wanted to bring it. It's the song, and I believe it's called Damn. I think that the title of that In parentheses, I Wish I Were Your Lover? I don't even think it gets the parenthetical. I just think the name of that song is Damn. And it's from, you know, (laughs) you don't need me to tell you who did that song. I don't, because the person... just all just band that sang that song is one that most people our age is uh, familiar with sophie uh, sophie b hawkins oh who did this is wonderful this is a show where we it's a sophie b hawkins fan cast where we talk about the, the song damn i wish i was your lover um which is how the song starts i'm looking at the google the lyrics and oh no it's not that's the first chorus anyway on this show we talk about uh all the great hits of sophie b hawkins Mm -hmm. as well as whatever else sort of floats across our field of vision uh there was the um uh og i wish i were your banker yeah and shoot i wish i was your buddy um shucks i wish that i worked at a deli counter there was fuck i wish i was your mortician which was uh, that one <laughs> wow that one only got some See, college I was trying to play. clean it up i know and but that one she was going through a dark time mm-hmm. do you have any small wonders i do oh, okay uh first duh lizzo's album is out i still haven't listened to it um this is not one of those albums where like the singles are the best songs. Oh, sh- you're kidding me. I am not kidding you. Juice is not even the the star of that album. I so oh my gosh. So there's uh Like a Girl, which I really like. It's kind of a, a lady anthem in the style of Beyonce. Uh and then I like um Oh, oh, it's something. Uh, is it Damn I Wish I Was Your Lover, the cover that she did for that one? <laughs> I bet she would crush that song, actually. I'm exactly How it. I Feel is oh, the name okay. of the song. Uh, and it's very good. Uh, I'm going to listen to it this week. Please I do. Will need some, I will need some power to get me through Friday. Oh, were you just going to go ahead and start doing your first no, thing? No, I have one more thing I wanted to mention. Oh, what was it? Uh, there is a new uh, special on Netflix called Call to Courage, which uh, features Brene Brown. Oh. Uh, who I am a big fan of. Who is that? Brene Brown has written several books. Uh, and she talks a lot about how uh, you can't have courage without vulnerability. And so she sounds a little bit like a self-help guru, but I will tell you what. Uh, she has a bachelor's, master's, and PhD in social work, and she comes from a very like research-based uh, place, and I find so it's, her it's, stuff really compelling. It's not just that she has big teeth and can speak confidently into a microphone, no, no. which is really all it takes for a lot of folks. She's done a lot of a lot of research on vulnerability and shame, and she talks a lot about how vulnerability is necessary to have courage in your life, and I just find it very useful, and I would recommend it. Or superpowers. If you had those, yeah. you probably Well, yeah. I saw Avengers Endgame, and I can't talk about it, because this is still going to go up before Embargo. Ooh. But I liked it a lot. I, enjoy, I don't even know if I can say guy. that, but I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I Look went to an early screener, guy. and that was fun. That's, I guess, one of my small wonders. It was a good, it was a good flick. Wait, good mm-hmm. way to wrap it all up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, uh, touch screens. They're pretty cool that they're where they are now, right? 
<laughs> when I was a kid, I remember I had like an early Palm Pilot thing that I like. Oh my gosh, got. I remember the Palm Pilots, and I was like in love with it because it was it was if memory serves, it was kind of open source, and so like I figured out how to download like these games that people made on them, and it was like a really quality version of Drug Wars and stuff like that. <laughs> And you had to like press it really hard with this How little stylus. How old were you when you got a Palm Pilot? I was in high school. Do you have a lot of meetings that you were? Uh, I forget the circumstances for? as to why I got a Palm Pilot. I'm pretty sure it didn't start out mine. I don't know if that means I stole or inherited it. <laughs> okay. But now they they do everything. I saw a th- I saw a thing. This isn't a touchscreen. This is my third small wonder. I saw this thing where people were shooting pool on a pool table, but there was like an AR overlay on it. There was like a projector overhead, so that there was like a little circle around the cue ball, and wherever your stick went in over that circle, it would project a line straight forward that would bounce off of the borders of the table so it would show you literally exactly Whoa, where your ball's gonna go that's some like minority report stuff yeah so i guess all my things together is just technology yeah who goes first this week i have no idea ah shoot it's me oh well congratulations my first thank you for the prize my first thing is crex let me do my i gotta get the good accent stank on this one crex did you grow up actually saying crick? I think it's interchangeable. No, that's too much for Did me. Did you know people that say crick? Oh, absolutely. I think I, I get very, my hackles get up whenever anybody brings up certain like Appalachian stereotypes. And I would say that saying the word crick is borderline on them. Yeah. But uh, I'll, just like all Appalachian stereotypes, I don't think I necessarily fall prey into most of them, but I definitely know someone who falls Pray into <laughs> at least one of them. Yeah, and I I want you to know that I I do not associate any stereotypes with you in particular. Mm. I just I get curious about the words people use in their regions. Crick felt too much like an affectation to me, but there were people who lived in Huntington who could pull crick off. Okay. I'm talking about creeks. Yes, see that I'm familiar with. Yes, creeks. These little rivers are everywhere, and I am just, I'm all for them. Uh, We now live in a house with a creek uh, pretty close to it. uh, It's incredible. This is like a childhood dream of mine to be this close to a creek. We're pretty close to a creek. When it's dry, like nothing happens back there. It's more of a ravine. But then as soon as it starts raining, uh, it starts gushing. And so I was actually preparing this segment with the windows of our living room open, just listening to this just natural white noise machine. Did you, one, write a poem about it that you're going to read right now? Um, I can just read my notes in the style of a poem. And two, is it onomatopoetic? Creek? The no, word the words in your poem. Did you use the sound of the creek to inspire the language you used in your poem? Did you do a lot of gurgle, gurgle, shush, shush, shush? No, but I did write the following. <laughs> I'm in our living room right now with the window open as I prep this. And it's just like this chill ass white noise machine. And then hold on, wait. Thank you for that. Um, Griffin, is this your first poem that you've ever written? Uh, it's my seventh one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did the other ones in school. Uh, I just like, when I was younger, I will say this, I didn't say the word crick, but I did have a lot of creek-based activities that yeah, I could rely yeah. on. Which a lot is, of good creeks where you uh, grew up. There were a lot of good creeks. There was one that sort of ran through my local park that we just kind of lived down the street from, and... 
usually like, you know, we'd be playing in the park or I'd be riding my bike. I would often ride my bike around the like little track around the park. And when it got too hot, you just take off your socks, take off your shoes and do a little wading wade in the water children oh yeah wading in a creek it feels very i'm surprised that you're as for this as i as as you are i was kind of an outdoorsy kid it might be hard to believe but it's true uh it is very hard to believe um i have this let me know if you've done this you ever go crawdad hunting no i now see that's that's where i've i never ate any of the crawdads that i caught as far as i can remember but i did go crawdad hunting how did you catch them you flip a rock over really quick and you try and grab them really fast no like a bear like a bear would do yeah sure i thought you meant like how you would grab a bear you flip the rock (laughs) off its cave and you try and just grab them real fast um now boat races yes boat races creeks were made for little leaf boat races there was a bridge that went over the creek at ritter park and we would just like toss some leaves off and just see which one did went under the bridge faster Uh very good sport sport of kings you grew up in like a mark twain story i did there was also a big tree that fell down and it it forded the the creek kids would use it as a bridge Mm -hmm. uh so much so that it almost became like codified like this is now a bridge Mm -hmm. uh but i think someone got hurt uh, not ne- not full blown terabithia as far as I know, but like it wasn't good. So then they cut yeah. it out, which was a shame. So uh, there's just like this nice little water feature, and it's not like a big deal, like a river. It's not like it's it's like an unpretentious water body of water which i appreciate. It doesn't have to be anything that it's not. It's like the above ground pool of rivers. Interesting. Thank you. I guess an above ground pool is already its own kind of body of water. But um, (laughs) so I was Googling like what makes it what makes a creek a creek? And technically all creeks are streams, but not all streams are creeks. Wow. I. Yes, I know. There's a whole taxonomy of it. Uh, It it goes as such. The smallest smallest kind of stream is a brook, right? A babbling brook. Mm, So you don't have trickle? You don't have trickle in there? There's not a trickle, though. I don't think anyone would ever call it a trickle. Brooks are usually very shallow, and they are usually fed by like a spring uh, rather than like being a... Uh, having having a tributary uh, of their own. Okay. Here is the here. So creeks are like a little bit beefier, um, and they can also vary based on rainfall. So the weird thing is, it's all kind of just Calvin Ball when it comes to creeks v rivers. It's all kind of just basically it just says like there is, and there is no hard and fast rule for it, but just like when a creek gets deep and long enough. Somebody looks at it and is like, I actually think that's a river now. But there's no, so like, who decided all this? So it goes brook, stream, creek, river? A a brook and a creek is a stream, and technically I think a river is also a stream. Okay. But so like, it just drives me wild. I grew up next to Four Pole Creek is what it was called. Why? But it was pretty freaking deep when it like rained and flooded in Huntington, which it was known to do very, very badly and destroy the city from time to time. Like if you could bring a watercraft or, you know, conduct transportation on something, it's a river. Is that what your. But see, that's what my brain says. But this is what I'm saying. Four Pole Creek was very deep. And so when it rained a lot, it would get extremely full. Yeah, but could could you put a boat on it? Easily, easily. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of boat? (laughs) 
how big how big is a boat how big is a boat no well, how big according is this? to the dictionary a boat is 10 feet how big is the boat that you're putting on this uh body of water uh i mean it's got to be bigger than a kayak right you want an engine on this thing yeah. i could probably i could probably get a sailboat on it huh yeah it's a big creek right so who decides that who, do, who decides that i think it has to be a bigger boat that can get on there okay so this is a, see, I grew up in St. Louis, which is right on the Mississippi River. Oh, now my that river's is big and that's a big old river. Yeah, I mean, I grew nobody up. Nobody would o- call that a creek. No, no, nobody would call the Ohio River a creek. Exactly. Uh, they would call it a sludge line <laughs> of acid. Your uh, dad really does. He has like legitimate burns on my, his body yeah. from swimming in the Ohio River. I didn't. My my dad is, uh, you know, he's a very clumsy man. And so I often see just like new wounds appear on him. <laughs> and then I guess I had forgotten. I saw him while he was changing for a Taz live show. And I was like, holy shit. Because he had like just uh, these patches of body hair that were missing. I was like, what is it? He's like, oh, that's from when I swam the Ohio River and I got acid burns on my body. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. So anyway. Anyway, uh, creeks are good. Creeks are great. They are the people's rivers. Uh, and <laughs> I, I just think more rivers should be creeks. And that's where I'm going to leave it. What's your first thing? My first thing. Yeah. Magic eye. This is going to be tough for me. I mean, it's going to be tough for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I have never once in my life gotten a magic eye painting really never once in my life have i gotten one to work and it wasn't until i was in like college that i it dawned on me that it is probably because of my blind spot yeah i could never ever people would see it and be like oh that's clearly a boat and i'd be like what the fuck are you talking about and i tried everything like people like here's a life hack it is very difficult for me so like the pro tip on magic eyes is that you're supposed to use what is called divergent viewing what is this? It's where you go to the movie and you see the flick about the the woman who defies uh, the the redhead woman from. Oh my god, I couldn't remember a single actor's name. I just could. I, I can't think of a single actor's name in in the movie Divergent that exists <laughs> ever. It's not Keanu Di- Reeves. Okay, holy shit. Wait, Keanu Reeves is in Divergent? No, I, he's just a celebrity <laughs> that I was able to think of. Oh my god. <laughs> Julianne Moore, maybe. Or Kate Winslet is in one of those. <laughs> Magic eyes are good, though. Divergent viewing, though. Divergent viewing. So instead of focusing your eyes, which is everybody's inclination to do, you look past it. So right. you kind of have something in front of you and you act as if you are looking through it and past it. But then you, But then you can kind of like... Eyes are so weird. Right. Because if you, they really do work like a camera lens where you can adjust focus, like yeah. kind of like you, you can control it. And so like, that's what you're supposed to do is like dial it in and out until you see the boat. And I could never see the boat. I know. And it's hard for me, honestly, like. You I, don't have to pity me. You, don't have, you to have to practice me. a lot. It's not like one of those things you get good at right away. Okay. Uh, here's the thing about Magic Eye. It was super huge in the 90s, uh, so much so that there were three books released, and they spent together a total of 73 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, my God. (laughs) I remember this as a kid. Like I remember it being a thing, and it's so quaint now when I think about it, that the world was going crazy for these books and posters. (laughs) Doesn't that seem like a simpler time? I like to think that Mr. Magic Eye, (laughs) who invented it, 
Steve Magic Guy Magicky. Do you want to play this game? Because I have the info right here. Well, I think he had this invention <laughs> lockdown pad in like 1950, and he was like, "No, they're not ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait until it's the most lucrative, the most profitable." And then in the <laughs> early 90s, everybody got dial-up internet, and he was like, "Oh fuck! If I don't get this out now, once everybody's on the internet, nobody's going <laughs> to give a shit about Magic Guy. They will download their own Magic Guy and be bored yeah. with it in a week." So Magic Eye uh, actually has a history, and that history is autostereograms, which are um, images that appear 3D through 2D patterns. And this started as a random dot stereogram invented by a neuroscientist in 1959. And he did that to test people's ability to see depth uh, in, in 2D form. It's, so he took dots and he kind of moved them subtly and, and people would project which dots they thought were further away based on the placement. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of like an optical illusion that he was kind of showing um, that, you know, people have the ability to see depth without actually having the depth. depth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this was in 1959. And then in 1979, Christopher Tyler created the first black and white wallpaper auto stereograms with a computer. Wait, is a wallpaper? Yeah, the you know how magic eyes are like wallpaper; they repeat the same. Right, 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 right. Okay, I thought you meant literal, like putting it up no. on the walls of somebody. <laughs> Can I just say though, having a magic eye oh wallpaper in your gosh. room would be pretty cool. That would make you so ill. It would though. make you very sick. You know, oh, that's a way to update the yellow wallpaper. Are you familiar with that short story? No. <laughs> uh, it's, I believe, by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And it's a short story about a woman who is kind of locked away in a room uh, due to, quote, hysterical reasons. And then she kind of has this whole hallucination where she's like in the wallpaper and it like represents her madness. Oh, okay. Uh, and but now it would be if like, you had the magic eye, yeah. that'd be for real. For like, I, real. Don't, I still don't see any fucking boat. <laughs> Uh, so it was in the early nineties, 1991, when, uh, a creator, Tom Betchy worked with Tenyo, a Japanese company that sells magic supplies. Huh? So this started in Japan. Uh, the book was called Miro Miro Mega Yokonaro Magikai, which roughly translated as your eyesight gets better and better in a very short rate of time, Magikai. Uh, and the book became a bestseller over there, and then it came to North America in 1993. It's nice not having to take responsibility <laughs> as a nation for this one. <laughs> Magic Eye is neat, but it, it almost, cert- I don't know, I just assumed anything that burns as bright and fast as that is, is... No, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I was talking to my coworker today about Ugg boots and how it was a trend that I, I could tell was kind of not going to last. Yeah. Magic Eye, very similar. Yeah. Uh, so as you mentioned, Magic Eyes have been used uh, by vision therapists to treat certain issues. Like if people are physically enabled to see a Magic Eye, they could potentially go to their eye doctor and they could have issues as like binocular vision or uh, a cognitive disorders. So like people that have, quote, wall eyes or cross eyes or whatever also aren't able to see huh. uh, magic eyes. I think 
I'm not missing out on a, on very much. Not really, no. Especially by today's standards, the now that VR exists, Magic Eye yeah. kind of seems unnecessary. But see, VR works for me. VR works, is it, mm-hmm. which I guess is just like, it's just two screens that are kind of well, folded they, in. Well, they did say that Magic Eye kind of operates on the same assumption that like uh 3d glasses operate on right that your your eyes can kind of do different things at the same time that you can unfocus your eyes and have them work kind of independently is kind of the same thing as like you know that i mean that's the that's the basis of pretty much all vr headsets Mm -hmm. and like a lot of vr technology all the way down to like the google cardboard thing Mm -hmm. is Essentially, when you put on like the Oculus Rift, you're, the the headset is producing two images. So like, yeah. uh, it's twice as hard to make games for it because it has to literally yeah. run two sort of visual fields at the same time. And then it is when those two visual fields combine at a like exact, very very precise that you have to sort of dial in uh, like distance from each other yeah. is where you get the 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 3D effect. Also, uh, viewfinders. Oh those yeah, plastic viewfinders, kind of same thing. Do you think that if Magic Eye came out? today and every time we say it it does say sound like we're saying magic guy and that's really cool too you know who i love magic guy chris angel i don't know he's the one that does the tricks uh if magic guy came out today do you think it would be like the dress the buzzfeed dress is it black and blue or because they're you know I'd pull it up on my phone and be like, some dipshit says there's a boat in these squiggles. <laughs> and then you'd be like, there is a boat in those squiggles. And then, you know, Twitter. <laughs> That's kind of how all of these problems end. Isn't yeah, it? sort of. Um, I I don't know that there's room for Magic Eye anymore, unless they can somehow get it on your Apple Watch. Hmm. But I'd need two Apple Watches. No. I don't think that's how that works. Hold them up to my eyes like I'm a bug man. <laughs> did I look cool right then when he's really pretending to be a bug Griffin man? literally held both of his rips up to his eyes as if I couldn't imagine what that would look like if he didn't demonstrate like it. Like a bug man. Like a bug man. Bulls, it's me, the bug man, here to fight you, magic guy. <laughs> Can we steal us away? Please. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) Is factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. 
Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain can you read me this first jumbotron <laughs> uh this first message is from michael it is from sarah Michael, happy fourth wedding anniversary. I am so happy I got to spend another year gaming, parenting, and exploring life with you. Serenity and I are so lucky to have you in our lives. Here is to another forever and a year together. Also, thank you for being a good, good husband and putting up with my McElroy obsession. Love you lots, Sarah. Hell yeah, a couple gamers. I wish we were a couple gamers. Really? The gamers that game together, game together. That and I've always true. told you that. Now, if we were gaming together, we'd be gaming together. But you know what the problem is? What? We just like the different stuff. And I'm always wanting to play Osmosis Jones for Super Nintendo. And you always want to play Earthworm Gym for Sega Genesis. Oh, my gosh. That is so true. Do you want to hear the next message? Capulets and Montagues. Just can't <laughs> seem to. Can I read the next message? Oh, sure. This one's for Eric. And it's from Bridget. Or Brigitte. I'm going to go with Brigitte because that's what it actually is. These are my vows. Hopefully I am playing this for 100 of our family and friends right now. Thank you for loving me and our sweet Alfredo and watching Drag Race with us. I've loved you for six years and I'll love you forever. I've hidden some Girl Scout cookies somewhere (laughs) in the apartment. If you can find them, you can have them. I guess I'm your wife now. Those are pretty good vows. Really sort of... Gets across exactly what you need to know in this exact moment. And I like the little mystery of the Girl Scout cookies. And that's what I was talking about. These Girl Scout cookies, they have a shelf life. So get hunting. The Greatest Generation is a Star Trek podcast that destigmatizes the very idea of having a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> We're Ben and Adam, the hosts of The Greatest Generation, and the technology we've developed is that nobody knows what you're playing in your earbuds. You know, with legalization, it's easier than ever to find out what's in your buds. <laughs> but we suggest that you legally find The Greatest Generation wherever you download your podcasts. We'll send it to you in a discreet, unmarked package, <laughs> and nobody has to know but us. That's The Greatest Generation. The Star Trek podcast that you didn't know you needed, yet makes you feel like you belong. Can I talk about my second thing? Yes. It is, of course, a bidet. Oh, here it is. Oh, bidet. Here it is. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to get a little bit uh, 
anatomical in this one. This, first of all, we should say uh, that this is a lovely birthday gift from the very thoughtful Travis McElroy. Oh, he's very much thinking about sort of our needs. And when Griffin says our. You used it and you came out of that bathroom hovering four inches off the ground. So I do not want to hear you say like, it's my thing. It's our thing. I we also, can both get down on this. I also want to say, so it is a toilet attachment. Yeah, it's a toilet seat uh, with a little robot inside it. Griffin installed himself. I did a good job. And he did a very good job. I cut my hand in four places. Mm-hmm. And, and there and was I a small didn't, there was flood. A, there was a little, there wasn't a flood. It was a little Was it a creek lake. or a stream? It was a brook. <laughs> uh, so yes, we have a bidet now. It's rad. It has all these different functions. You can adjust the water pressure of the spray, the heat of the spray, the heat of the toilet seat. There's a massage function. The position of the spray. You're going to change the position of the spray. Freaking of course. Nobody's buttholes is the same. Everybody's, which is another way of saying everybody's buttholes is different. Um, <laughs> there's uh, all kinds of bidets, right? We have the built-in toilet seat one, which is the sort of more modern take, but there's also the standalone sort of toilet-esque uh, uh, appliance that usually lives right next to the toilet. I have seen these, never used one because it weirds me out. Uh, and then there are like shower heads that you can use uh, in, in some places. Honestly, like bidet use uh, differs wildly between like different countries uh, and different sort of uh, uh, like religious practices. There are are certain religions that that take hygiene like very, very seriously. And so bidets, you will find like uh, more of them in in regions where that religion is more common. Uh, Also among like different age ranges, bidets are becoming slightly more common among the elderly for various health reasons. Um, But I had never used one until I went to Japan and it really opened my eyes because they are very very common there uh pretty Griffin, much you're not supposed to use it on your eyes uh are you sure oh no their bidet game is still, i'm sure we've talked about this but like their bidet game was so on point because let's see we had a home away there in kyoto where it had like ground effects that shone into the bowl and also sound <laughs> effects that it would like make running water so you could like i think you would walk in and the lid would open on the lid would open on its own it had a motion sensor and then there was like a perfume spray it was the host so was really bad. excited to show it to us like she knew that that was going to be a big feature yes and it was <laughs> uh yeah it's just and it it feels very good on your duff or whatever undertown parts that you're using to to rinse up and i didn't think i would appreciate it first couple times i used it i was like and i turned it off really quick and then i was like hey i'm clean i'm refreshed it gets kind of uh humid in japan where i was walking around a lot and so I would just get a little spritz, a little clean, and mm-hmm. then I was ready to go. And having that available in my own home to fight off the fucking Texas summer heat, I am ready to beat the shit out of June, July, and August. <laughs> it's going to be so good. I am armed and ready. Mm-hmm. And bidets are good. Bidet is a French loan word. Uh, the etymology, uh, I thought, was hysterically funny. Uh, the, it's the French word. Do you know what it means? Do you know what bidet means in French? We did not learn that in high school French. Uh, it's pony. 
so in old French, bider meant to trot. So the etymology comes from the notion that one, quote, rides or straddles one of these standalone bidets, much like a pony is ridden. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that is very, very good for me. So, like, nobody quite knows, like, a lot of rad things that we use these days. Nobody knows exactly who invented the bidet. Uh, but it is thought to have come from, like, French furniture makers from sometime in the 1800s. What was the thing I recently talked about that I feel like we attributed to French furniture makers? Oh, I've never done bidets before, right? Oh, sectionals. I think I was talking about sectionals. Oh, yes. okay. Leading the charge. Uh, there was a written reference to a bidet in uh, Italy in 1726. Uh, there is also historical evidence of bidets being used like among royal circles around that time period. Uh, and also at that time, it was traditionally kept in the bedroom. Gross, 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 gross. You yuck, know what yuck, I'm yuck. thinking about is the kind of comedy of errors that would come from the bidet in the bathroom and then the bidet that you ride on out in the world, right? Yeah. If it comes from the word pony, yeah. how do you differentiate when you're talking to your friends in France? Yeah. You know? Well, I think I think it's probably rare for a person to say, a person of a certain age to say the words, I'm going to go ride my pony, unless they are genuine. <laughs> I think genuine's the only one that can say that out loud. <laughs> if you're 10 and you say, I'm going to go ride my pony, I'm going to assume you're talking about the small horse. That's fair. And not the appliance. Okay, so there was a book uh, that was published in 2001 called The Encyclopedia of Birth Control. Apparently, uh, during this time period where like uh, bidets were starting to get, get going uh, in Europe, it was used for contraceptive purposes. Oh, see, yeah, they used to they used to just think you could just... Just sort of goosh it out. You could just scoop it <laughs> just out sort of and you'd be fine. Just out of there. Yeah, yeah that's nothing. Uh, so plumbing got better. Uh, the bidet moved into the bathroom where it belongs. Uh, obviously, John Harvey Kellogg had to get a hand on the ball, and he was uh -huh. like, "Oh, let's talk about anal douching. Let's talk all about anal douching. You gotta be oh, clean yeah. everywhere." They've talked about this fellow on Sawbones before, probably many, many times. Uh, so he came up with his own sort of bidet style contraption, surprising nobody. I feel like when that hit the news, Kellogg invents new bidet style nozzle contraption. I think that everybody was like. I thought he'd already done that, but I guess maybe I just had assumed. Um, later in the 20th century, the, they became sort of more common household items, but it wasn't until the 1990s oh. that the sort of built-in nozzle on the toilet seat sort of modern bidet that we own and we know it uh, came from Japan, of course. That's where the, it, they, they got their... They entered the playing field in the early 1990s with the uh, the built-in bidet. Uh, there were companies like Clean Sense, Galaxy, Infinity, Novita, and Go Bidet, and they just changed the fucking game for all of us, for the rest of us. Which yeah, and I, this is a lot easier on your plumbing than those like flushable wipes and stuff that they sell now. So that's the thing. I was thinking that actually a bidet was a sort of luxury item that was actually pretty bad for your, you know, your yeah, global footprint. Yeah, it seems footprint. like it would use more water. But actually it was found that like you actually use way, way less toilet paper. And so it 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 evens out and also almost kind of like makes up for the fact that you are you are using slightly more water not a ton of water you're not even using as much as you do when you flush when you when you use a bidet unless you really want to get clean all up in there kellogg <laughs> um but yeah and what's great too is you can get rid of your shower because 
why would you shower anymore if you have a bidet? You have a bidet. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I love the bidet. I've used it every day since I've gotten it. If you are grossed out by this segment because you've never used a bidet, I I really don't think it has to be a thing. Griffin, are you inviting everybody to use our bathroom right now? No. Although you are very, we had to put it in our guest bathroom just for there there was the only place it would it would fit and rachel is very nervous about because like, the first thing we're going to talk about with every single guest that comes into our house now is that bidet and we had a little easter get together and sure enough everybody wanted to talk about the bidet which mm. was flattering for me because they all wanted to talk about how well installed it was <laughs> and then all of them were like oh i'm so nervous to use the bidet but then everybody came out like it was actually very good. Like, I'm glad I rode that pony. I'm glad I rode that particular pony. Bidets, mm-hmm. they're amazing. What's your second thing? My second thing is a trip to the Poetry Corner. Hey, baby, I hear the poetry. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, Griffin. Just do it. You had it last no, week. It. I know, it's, but I did use it all up, didn't I? It, it was like, me. there was like scrambled verse, I think was one of the Toss verses. Just go ahead. I'm so sorry. Uh, the poet I am featuring this time is Mary Oliver. She. Uh, Do you like the faces I make at you when you say the names of poets <laughs> at me, and I pretend like? Can you describe the one I just made? I always, I always hmm. look at you to see if there's recognition. Oh. And you always do this kind of face, like yeah. I am explaining to you how batteries work. Yeah. <laughs> if you bring Robert Frost or E.E. E. Cummings, although that one's not going to play on radio, I feel like. Yeah. And those are the only two. Emily Dickinson, she got some good ones you up. You say this to me, but we have brought so many poets, and it oh, troubles yeah. me that you can't William name Carlos Williams. Okay. William Henry Harrison. <laughs> yeah. William Smith. We talked about his poetry in our bonus yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, Mary Oliver was born in 1935 in Cleveland, and she actually just passed away in January 2019. She was 83 Hmm. when she passed. It was a long life. Uh, She was born in Cleveland, moved to Massachusetts when she uh, was older, and published 15 collections of poetry. Damn, that's a lot of poetry. I know. Uh, I've only published four. (laughs) What are the names of those collections? Well, the first book was called Just Some of My New Shit, and it was cool. It was cool. Like, the cover art was very cool. It looked like graffiti. You're like the M&M of poetry in that you just introduced well, yourself. Well, I dialed it back in, and the second one was Some Thoughts, and then the third book was More Deep Thoughts, and I com- I worked with Jack Handy. <laughs> you know I have a soft spot. Yeah, and the fourth one was untitled. It was just it was just kind of uh, it was just kind of like blue. And so people called it your 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 blue album. No, that's a Weezer thing. Oh, okay. Weezer stole it from me. I published I, I, yeah. these books in 1981. I get you and Weezer confused all the time. It's the glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the white guy with glasses. Yeah, I look like a lot of white men with glasses. Did you know there's a Facebook group called uh, Griffin McElroy is every white guy with glasses? Is it really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is it every, just, every white guy with glasses is Griffin McElroy. Is it just uh, screenshots of tweets that people send uh, to me comparing me to... <laughs> I don't know. It's a private group, so I, I wasn't able to see what was in it. That's That's probably a blessing <laughs> go with god griffin mackeray's every white guy with glasses facebook group uh so mary oliver is similar to the romantic poets in the kind of the 
era of Wordsworth and Keats, who are poets. I know them. Who poets that wrote about nature and kind of the majesty of nature. Yes. Um, but then she also has this kind of solitude, loneliness, uh, similar to Thoreau or Whitman of kind of like we are small in this environment. and But also very like American and it's kind of like spirit. Okay. Uh, she um, said in an interview with NPR, poetry mustn't be fancy. I have the feeling that a lot of poets writing now, they sort of tap dance through it. I always feel that whatever isn't necessary should not be in the poem. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, right? I, could, I probably could have told you that. <laughs> uh, she won a Pulitzer Prize and a National Book Award. Uh, and there's this great, um, obituary kind of not obituary, but, you know, tribute to her, uh, the month she passed in the New Yorker. And they talk about though her, her poems spoke to this kind of loneliness in the world. Uh, they were not poems about isolation though, but about pushing beyond quote, emotional quarantine, even when you feel fear. Which I thought was kind of a beautiful yeah. way to put it. Uh, so I wanted to bring a poem that kind of represents that energy. And it's called When Death Comes. It's very positive. Okay. It's a very positive, affirmative poem. Cool. When Death Comes. Uh-huh. <laughs> when death comes like the hungry bear in autumn. When death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut. When death comes like the measle pox. When death comes like an iceberg between the shoulder blades, I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering, what's it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore, I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and I look upon time as no more than an idea, and I consider eternity as another possibility, and I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular— and each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending, as all music does, towards silence, and each body a lion of courage and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. That's um, that's amazing. Isn't that incredible? That's incredibly good. That's the best poem I've ever heard in my <laughs> entire life. I don't think I'm joking when I say that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it, it's like I told you, like it starts in this very dark place that a lot of poets go mm-hmm. and then ends saying, you know, you have a lot of agency in this life. Right. You know, and you're one of, of, you know, millions of people, but there's a tremendous opportunity to be an individual in that. That was a very good poem. Thank you for bringing that poem. You're welcome. It was delicious. Good. A sumptuous poem. Hmm. <laughs> a honey kissed. <laughs> uh Oh, Griffin's writing his eighth poem. A honey kissed collection of words and dribbling <laughs> punctuate. Do you want to know what our friends are talking about at yes, home? Cats. Cat says something I find wonderful. Planetariums. It's relaxing. The stars slash planets projected across the dome are beautiful. Tickets are generally affordable, and usually you learn something new. We should bring Henry to a planetarium. He would love it. He loves rocket ship. Yeah. He do. He do love that <laughs> very <do>. much. <laughs> they should call them space museums, though, because I get planetariums confused with plant 
plantariums. That's oh, not know. really anything. Is a plantarium anything? I don't think I don't they think call so. them plantariums. I don't think so. Well, egg on scrambled egg all over my face. Lauren <laughs> says, my wonderful thing is when my favorite fruit comes back into season. I live for winter oranges. I'm counting down until summer tomatoes, and I have just eaten my first perfect spring strawberry. Wow. Oh, man, I got to make a strawberry pie, though. I think here it's more of a summertime treat. Is it? Yeah, I don't think the strawberries are going here yet. Huh, okay. Well, I'll make sure to get on it. Uh, there was, I, I've talked about Jim's spaghetti strawberry pie, right? Yes. Okay. You have with me. I don't know if you have on the show. It's a very, very, they have like one week where the strawberries they grow are like peak. And during that one week, they sell strawberry pie and everybody like lines up around the block for it. It's the best. So here's one from Becca who says, my wonderful thing is the last perfect bite of a meal. I'm talking specifically about when you notice when the best bite is on your plate. For example, the nacho with the best cheese topping chip ratio, and you specifically save it. So it's your last bite chef kiss. Oh, I do this all the time. I am very deliberate when I eat a meal of like portioning out my food across the plate. Yeah. So that I am able to consistently get the best bite. You know, I I like when I've eaten most of the stuff on the plate and there's nothing but just sort of scrapples and leavings. Uh huh. And then I get a honk of bread and I can just scoop it all mm -hmm. up. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's tempting to finish that bread before you finish your meal, but you got to hold on to a little bit. You got to save one just juice spoon. (laughs) Is it weird that my mouth watered when you said juice spoon? Yeah. Okay. Hey, thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our mouthwatering theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Um, And thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows there. I want to give a shout out to Mission to Zix. It is a very uh, ambitious and very, very, very well-produced and well-made space opera comedy yeah. improv show that is Max very Flynn fun has been lucky to bring on a lot of really great shows recently. dr game show too is a, is mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of fun uh yeah and then amy mann and ted leo for the art of the process i, I know i still can't great. believe that we have our network has a show with I them know. on it they're so talented okay so yeah that's all at maximumfun.org we have stuff at mcroy.family including tickets to the live shows for my brother my brother and me in the adventure zone that are still on sale in certain places i think northeastern regions y'all y'all, y'all slept on it and they're sold out but they're in other places too macro.family is the link and we have merch too working on some new merch that we're very excited yeah, about is there an update on that uh none that we can share on the show right now but hopefully soon we will have news for, we, we usually drop them in monthly batches oh, so okay. maybe like june we'll we'll probably okay. have something out that um, sounds good yeah hey what else do we need to say to our friends yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, if you haven't already joined our little Facebook community, uh, it's a great place for people to share their wonderful things each week. It's the best Facebook community. Yeah. Because you you you, you just get these little pop-ups on your feed like, hey, you know what's good? People specifically go there to, to share great things. Yeah. You know what's good? The theme song to Crossfire. And that's just like on your Facebook feed. And you're like, hey, you know what? That is good. Um, so, yeah, that's the only good. That's where I website. found out that Missy Elliott's uh, new album is coming out soon. It's a news source, too. Yes. You can't beat it. So, that's going to be it. I'm going to go downstairs. Okay. And I don't want to, I'm not going to give away what I'm going to do. Watch Survivor? Mm, it's going to come after. Uh, let's just say 
gonna get that spray. <laughs> gonna ride that pony. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna jump on it. Was that whole bit too gross? <laughs> I don't think so. I said anal douching a lot. You did say that a lot, but you didn't describe it in detail, which I appreciated. I could. Please don't. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hello, this is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. And so I have to write material that makes sense and makes people laugh. I also have to think about what I'm saying to people. If I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. The fight to get LGBTQ representation in the show. Mm -hmm. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. I really just became a political speechwriter by accident of realizing that I have accidentally uh, pulled my pants down. <laughs> Listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. It's like if the guinea pig was complicit in helping the scientist.